Yeah, right now it's time for us to do something. Amen? God bless you guys. We are so glad that you are here this morning, and thank you for coming out. I need to tell you, you know, I'm going to break, Jenny, I'm going to break every rule. Is Tyler there too? Yeah, I'm fixing to break the public speaking rule, okay? But it's kind of funny. So that's why I'm doing it. So, you know, I've worked on, you know, again, these don't come in the mail. You know, you kind of work on them all week. And so, like, and by Saturday, you're kind of supposed to have it down pretty good. You know, you're supposed to kind of know. And so I'm sitting there, and I go up and study in my office, you know, and I come back downstairs, and Judy's sitting there. I said, Judy, you know, I just need to be honest. And she goes, what's that? I said, I've got a real low confidence rating on this sermon. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to hear that on Saturday night, you know. And, and so I said, why? And she said, well, I just don't know, you know. And so anyway, but, but here's the good news. That's the bad news. The good news is, as often happens, I got a good night's rest. I woke up and studied some more this morning. And, and I woke up and I told Judy, I said, there's a path. <laughs> there's a path. Not sure where the path is exactly going, but there is a path. So I'm excited about the message today, how God just kind of tied it all together. And I don't know if you know what ambrosia is. How many of y'all know what ambrosia is? Raise your hand. Ah, there's a few. There's a few. Okay. Well, first off, back in the old, old days, okay, like back in the Greek God time, uh, when they had all their myth- mytho- mythology going on, okay, they called ambrosia... The food of the gods, the food of the gods. And so much later then, when I was growing up, we would have ambrosia and it always was around Thanksgiving and Christmas. Usually both of them, as a matter of fact, because it really was a special treat. Um, that we had. And so we grew up and we had this special deal. And so you say, so, so what is ambrosia? Well, I'm going to spend a chunk of time in my introduction telling you all about ambrosia, and then you'll see how that ties in with the message. Now, first off, ambrosia, we have a picture of it, by the way. Throw that up there. There you go. That's ambrosia, okay? And, and what I've done is I've kind of got a list of the ingredients. So here are some of the ingredients in ambrosia, okay? All right, first off, you have, um, a cup of shredded and sweetened coconut. Now, shoot. Anything with that is going to be good. Okay? See, y'all don't know. I do all kind of weird things at home when Judy's not there. And, I, Judy, you've got to buy some sweetened coconut. Because what happens is I go through the cabinets. First, I go to the pantry and look for, like, the normal stuff. And there's no normal snack stuff. Then I start looking. Like, for instance... There's a bag of semi-sweet chocolate that's in there that's almost empty. Yeah, it wasn't when she started, but, but it is now. But anyway, and so I would look for this sweetened coconut, and she kept it in a different place over by the stove. And even this week, I said, well, maybe she bought some. Because, dude, I'm telling you what. Now, listen, I'm just telling you, you cut that sucker open on the corner, not too big so she'll see it. And then you, you lift it up like this and dump it in your mouth. And if, listen, oh, listen, if it's fresh... You put sweet and coconut together, it's Mounds Bar without the chocolate. It is good stuff. So, so we got, we got a cup of shredded and sweetened coconut. Then we're going to add a cup and a half. Someone say amen. A cup and a half of toasted and chopped pecans. Now, now listen here. I'm about to rapture out right now. I'm just telling you, you already got sweet coconut and you got pecans. You're on your way. You're on your way. So then, then you add a cup of segmented navel oranges. Now I need to pause here. Put her, what was that other orange that we always put in it? The little canned oranges? Mandarin oranges. We never use this navel orange stuff. 
You know, it was mandarin oranges. They're little slices about that big. Now, that doesn't get a big array review, but it does add to the overall picture. So uh, about a cup of, of uh, mandarin oranges. And then I have to say this really slow because I'll mess it up. A half cup drained maraschino chick cherries. All right? Huh? And guess what? Listen, listen, here's the deal. Now, if you're not a fan of maraschino cherries, you need to give them a shot. Like, every time we go to the Dairy Queen and Judy gets a cherry on whatever she orders, it's mine. It's mine. I just like these dudes. And by the way, by the way, if you want to add some chocolate to them, okay, they call them chocolate-covered cherries, shoot, that's good too. All right? So, all right, so you've got a half a cup of them cherries. Then you've got 20 ounces of drained crushed pineapple. That ain't too bad. That ain't too bad. So you put that together, and what you got is fruit salad. Fruit salad. See, some of y'all going, oh, that's ambrosia. That's just fruit salad then. No, 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 no. See, that's, that's just the basic ingredients. Okay? Now, now things get interesting now. Because what you're going to do is, you're going to add three cups. Someone say glory. Yeah. Three cups of many marshmallows. Yeah, see? Yeah, see, now, now you still say, well, that sounds like fruit salad to me. But, honey, it's on a different level. It is on a different whole level. You know, marshmallows are just puffs of air with sugar in them. That can't be bad. That can't be bad. All right? But then, then now, now we're going to get to the food of the gods part. Okay? Because right now we got fruit salad. we got fruit salad with little puffs of air with sugar in it. Okay? But now we're going to go to a different level. Here's where it gets really interesting and good. The final three ingredients are one cup of heavy cream. Now, I, yeah, see, some of y'all have done this before. Again, now, when she's there and when she's not there, you go ahead and leave town. Because me and the kitchen have a good time. Okay? You can take that heavy whipping cream and put it in the mixing bowl and put in some sugar. Everything's good's got sugar in it. You know, put some sugar in get that mixture up, mm, and before long, you've got homemade whipped cream. Shoot that thing. We're going to add a cup of heavy cream, a cup of confectioner's sugar. Now, we call that down south powdered sugar, okay? Now, now I need to tell you the truth, though, right here. You know, I, I don't believe recipes are made to follow exactly. When I read this recipe, it only had three tablespoons of sugar. Uh, yeah, I said, three tablespoons? Who even heard of three tablespoons? I upped it to a cup. I upped it to a cup. I did. I'm just telling you. I upped it to a cup. So we have a cup of, of sweetened or powdered sugar, and then you've got a half cup of sour cream. Now, I know. I know you go, sour cream? Let me just tell you something. You put that heavy whipping cream... Go ahead and put that, don't get three tablespoons, get yourself a cup of powdered sugar, and then you get that sour cream and whip it all together. Mm-hmm. It'll make your tongue reach out and slap your face. I'm just telling you what, it is plum good. It is plum good. Then, once you do all that, you throw that in with all that other stuff. So all of a sudden, you have elevated from fruit salad to fruit salad with marshmallows, to fruit salad, marshmallows, and all this other stuff. And what you got is ambrosia. Ambrosia. I would, listen, I wouldn't even wait. We could say amen and go home right now. We could have an altar call and probably 20 people would get saved. They get that saved. So, so we, you know, you do, don't wait till Christmas, don't wait till Thanksgiving. You need to try this 
ambrosia. It's a southern deal. I, I know that's why some of y'all knew it, some of you didn't. It's a southern thing that we do down south that we need to import to the north. It's just a really, really good thing. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. There is ambrosia, but there also is spiritual ambrosia. Oh. See, God has an ambrosia all of his own. And it starts with, guess what? The same basic ingredients. You start with fruit. So if you want to look, you could go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. And here's what the Bible says about fruit salad. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Now, that doesn't sound as good as coconut, I know, but, but you get the point. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, spiritually speaking, that's a good fruit salad. That ain't bad. I mean, and again, here's the great part. I always like to remind people of this because you go, well, those are hard things to produce. Well, they really are. But the good news is if you're born again today, when you got saved, you got the Holy Spirit. And when you got the Holy Spirit, you've got a fruit salad. Okay? And there are nine fruit listed there and you don't get two or three of them. All right? You get all of them. Notice it doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit. It says the fruit of the Spirit. So these things become part of our lives. This love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. So you've got all those things. But here's the deal. Just like fruit salad becomes ambrosia when you mix in the gooey, so the fruit of the Spirit becomes spiritual ambrosia when you put in the gooey. See, the gooey makes things better. Have you figured that out? The gooier an apple pie is, the better it is. The gooier a brownie with chocolate on top of it, the better it is. I mean, gooey just makes things better. Well, you take the fruit of the Spirit and you put gooey in it, and son, it's like them fruit really become alive in your life. So you've got to be saying probably then, well, what is the gooey of God's ambrosia? And we find out in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6. We get the basic gooey for the fruit of the Spirit, where it comes alive, in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 6. And here's what it says. And without faith, there's your gooey, there's your gooey, without faith is impossible to please God. Without faith is impossible. See, see God is a God of faith. And so everything he does is in the realm of faith. And guess what? He expects his children to walk and live in the realm of faith. Now, we're real tempted, okay? We're real tempted to walk by sight. But God wants us to live and believe in faith, okay? So faith is the good. Now, over in um, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, just five verses up, you get the definition of faith. Here's what the biblical definition of faith is. And this is from the New International Version. Now, faith, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Let me read that to you again. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Hebrews 11, 1, New International Version. Faith is believing before we see. 
Now, do not try to apply that biblical definition to the world. Don't go to Huck's or Casey's and buy a lottery ticket and say, I have faith I'm going to win. It don't work. But in the, in the realm of God, in the realm of spiritual things, faith works. Faith works. So the GUI then becomes faith. I like, this is something um, that back in like 1984, we went to the Southern Baptist Convention and, and they put on every seat what I'm fixing to read to you. It's a reading by Patrick Overton. Um, Elaine, our secretary, I used this several years ago before they were members here and she ran it off and so she kept a copy. If you go to Elaine's office, you're going to see this hanging right over her desk. It's just good. And here's what Patrick Overton said. When you walk to the edge of all the light that you have. When you walk to the edge of all the light that you have and take that first step into the darkness of the unknown. And take that first step into the darkness of the unknown. You must believe. You must believe that one of two things will happen. Number one, there will be something solid for you to step on. Or two, you'll be taught to fly. Isn't that beautiful? That's awesome. That's the gooey. When you add that to the fruit of the Spirit and that kind of faith, it's an amazing thing. Now, the author of Hebrews eleven six doesn't stop, though. He doesn't say, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. There's a comma there. And he goes on and says this. For whoever... Now, somebody say whoever. Now, that means all of us. So, if you're going to do something, what he says, then it's everybody. It's the rich man, poor man, white man, black man, yellow man. It does not matter. Big sinner, little sinner, in our eyes, God doesn't see it that way, but in our eyes, okay? Whoever would draw near to God. So if you're going to draw near to God, two things have got to happen. One, you must believe that he exists. And two, that he rewards those who seek him. So if you're going to draw near to God, two things have got to happen. You've got to believe, one, that he exists. And two, that he rewards those who seek him. See, we are a people who are saved by faith. When, when Abraham was being, you know, was, was being on his God journey, remember, he was a total pagan, and God shows up and says, hey, I want you to go, and I want you to do this. And he believed God, and God counted it as righteousness. Um, in James chapter 2, verse 23, we'll study that in just, on Sunday night in just a couple of weeks, you know, he believed God, and God counted it to as righteousness for Abraham. He believed God and God counted it as righteousness toward Abraham. So how do we come to know Jesus Christ? How, how, do, we, how do we have a relationship with God? It is by faith. It's not performance. It's not by going to church. It's not by being baptized. I know y'all have heard this, but maybe someone on the radio or someone else here has not. We are, we are born again by having faith. So, so whoever would draw near to God okay, has got to believe, has got to exercise faith, and that he exists. But once we're saved, our faith journey does not stop. How about that? Our faith journey does not stop. It says that he rewards those who seek him. So that, so that we come into relationship by faith, but then as we journey, there's this rewarding life that we live all by faith. Now then, that's not prosperity gospel. That's not your kids never get sick. That's not you never get cancer. That's not you never lose your job. Not that at all. But there are rewards that God gives every child of His 
who believes. And I tell you what, that's just the tip of the iceberg because it gets better. Because eternity, as we live faithfully here, eternity is filled with rewards when we get to heaven. So, the GUI is this thing called faith. Now, the question then obviously becomes this. How do you make the gooey? How does the, what's the recipe for the gooey? Well, the recipe for the gooey is probably found in several places of Scripture, but the one I settled on is Proverbs chapter 3, and we're going to spend the rest of our time around Proverbs chapter 3 learning how to make the gooey to put with the fruit of the Spirit so we can have spiritual ambrosia, this, this wonderful, abundant life, John 10.10. 10, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly, that we can have and experience that um, in our lives. So Proverbs chapter 3, 5, and this is one of our favorite verses. It's a different translation than I normally use, but this has been one of my life verses and probably one of yours too. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Let me read it again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. In other words, counting on him, trust the Lord. I'm counting on him for everything, okay, with all my heart, everything, and don't depend on your own understanding. Now, we've heard that a lot, but what does it mean? Well, let me demonstrate it for you. Let me explain it for you. Um, I learned this to a new level back in October of 2018. Around the 8th or 7th of October, and ending up on the 9th of October, I had that heart episode. Um, ended up in the hospital and ended up having a procedure called a heart catheterization. Now, here's how it played out. I checked into the hospital, and they transferred me to Carbondale. And they said, you are going to have a guy, a cardiologist, is going to do a heart catheterization on you. And his name is Dr. Punch-a-Monkey. My confidence was shaken. I don't know what kind of doctor Dr. Punch-a-Monkey is, but it's just a little scary. Okay? However, that's how you say his name. So Dr. Punch-a-Monkey came in... <laughs> Gosh, did I really trust that guy to work on my heart? <laughs> Dr. Punch-a-Monkey comes in and says, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to stick a thing in your wrist. I'm going to go up in here, and we're going to look and see if there's anything wrong with your heart. And if there's anything wrong with your heart, if we can fix it, we're going to fix it. Um, That will probably involve putting a stent in, okay? And I said, okay, all right, that sounds good, Dr. Punch-a-Monkey. Sure, you know. So here's the deal. So, So early on Tuesday morning, they come in and they get me, and they put me on this, you know, gurney thing. They had me sit on the gurney. They roll me into the cath lab and had me get on this table. And they, you know, stretch this arm out. This one, they're going to put the needle in. This one's laying here. And they give you a shot. They don't knock you out. If you ever have one of these, they don't knock you out. But they kind of make you like, like you don't really care what they do. Okay? Which, again, if your doctor's named Dr. Punch Monkey, that's probably a good idea. Okay? So anyway, so I didn't even know what was going on. But the bottom line is, just like he said, he stuck this wire up in my heart found a blockage, 90% blockage, and, and kind of did the rotor-rooter thing, and then he stuck a stent in there to make sure that artery stayed open, okay? Now, here's the deal. I trusted this man, regardless of his name, I trusted him 100% to work on my heart. I had to. I was totally out of control. 
I was stretched out on his table in his ball field, if you will, and allowing him to do whatever he felt necessary in my heart to fix it. I had to trust him. I didn't understand. I mean, I knew. I'm a pastor. I almost have my MD degree. I've been to more tests than you guys can shake a finger at. I know all about colonoscopies. I know about knee replacements, elbow replacements. I know about all that stuff. I've talked to more doctors than you'll ever know. So I know that. But this was beyond my understanding. How in the world are you going to stick a wire here that's going to go up into my chest and find, you know, take a left turn on my middle artery and find the blockage and open it up and then you're going to put a a ball ball pin spring in my heart to hold it open. I didn't understand, but I trusted. And guess what the outcome was? He fixed my heart. He fixed my heart. That's exactly what Proverbs 3, 5 means. When he says, trust in the Lord, you're not trusting Dr. Punch-a-Monkey, which, by the way, he's a great doctor. Don't misread. Just a funny name. But you're trusting God. God says, trust me, Dwayne. There's, there's an issue in your life, and I'm the heart physician, and I can fix it. I can fix it. Trust me. Trust me. And listen, he would, he would say... Dr. Dr. Jesus would say, there's a condition, I can fix it. I know you're not going to understand what I'm about to do, but trust me. And that's what Proverbs 3, 5 is all about. It's the only way. If you wait until, listen, faith never demands that you have all the answers. It simply demands that you trust. That you trust. And if you are a child of God, if you have been born again, that's it. That's the deal. That's how God works. He doesn't work in the realm of sight. He works in the realm of faith. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and not only in your understanding. I wrote something. I think I put it in your, on the sermon sheet or in the notes on the app. Trusting God with all of your heart demands that every nook and cranny, every cabinet and closet be His. There can be no locked doors, no off-limit signs. Is a total surrender to the Creator God of the universe. That's what it means to trust the Lord. So you make ambrosia. You start making the gooey by having this trust in God. Um, trust is like the practical side of faith. Trust is the active side of faith. It's the action verb of faith. Trust is. Then we move down to verse number 6. In verse number 6 it says, Seek his will in all you do. How much? Yeah, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. seek his will and all you do, and he will show you what path to take. Now, this has got to be huge. I know there are people, students, I know there are some college students here. There are some high school students, and you're going, what should I do with my life? Well, this is your verse. This is for you. Some of you are in midlife crisis, and you're going, I don't know if I want to finish out my working career doing this. Okay? I don't know what I want to do here. Well, seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Now, just like, again, when I trusted the doctor on my heart, there were some difficulties. There were some difficulties. There was a recovery period. And you need to know this, that when you seek his will with all you do, sometimes that's going to be really easy. Sunshine, things are going to be, oh, yeah, this is trusting God thing is easy. But sometimes you end up in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
You just need to know that. Sometimes when you, sometimes when you seek His will and all you do, sometimes His will will put you in the Garden of Gethsemane. You might, be, you, might, you might find yourself praying a prayer like Jesus. God, if there's any way possible that this doesn't have to happen, please, if not, not my will, but thy will. You just might as well know that. Okay? You might as well just know that. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you what path to take. Hey, college student, ask God and he'll show you what path to take. Hey, high school student, he'll show you what path. Hey, guy in career crisis, he will show you the path to take. You know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and I've started quoting some dead people. And you might go, who is Dietrich Bonhoeffer anyway? Well, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a theologian, pastor in the Nazi, Nazi regime. He was in Germany. And he pretty quickly early on saw where that road was going and he became a dissident toward Nazi Germany. Now, let me just tell you something. Hitler didn't take kindly to men like Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And so it wasn't long before he found himself in a prison camp and ultimately in a concentration camp. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer, four months before the end of the war, April 1945, four months before the end of the world, end of the war, was hung and died a martyr for Christ. That's Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Probably deserves our ear. Here's what he said. God does not give us everything we want. Hmm. But he does fulfill his promises, leading us along the best and straightest path to himself. Can I read that again? I know you got it on the screen. God does not give us everything we want. Now keep in mind, he, he died a martyr. He was hung by Nazi Germany. God does not give us everything we want, but he does fulfill his promises, leading us along the best and straightest path to himself. I'm telling you, his path is always the best path. Man, if you're sitting there, again, college student, high school student, career crisis person, deciding what to do, you know, seek his will, and he'll show you the straightest path, and that path will be to him. If you're, if you're wanting, God, I, I would like to have a career that makes the most money. That is not the right question. You know, your midlife, you, want, you, you look around, all your friends have all the big toys, and you don't have the big toys, and you say, it is time for a job change so I can make more money. That is not the right motivation. That's why if you're a believer in Christ, you turn to Christ, and he'll show you the straightest path, and just know for sure it's going to lead to him. And that's the best. That's best. So that's the first way you start making the gooey for this ambrosia. And then in verse 7, Proverbs 3, 7, he, you know, the author, Solomon, gets a little bit more, more down nitty-gritty. First off, he says this. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Now, can you imagine? Uh, Dr. Punch Monkey, I've never done one of these, but I really think. Would it be crazy? You know, Dr. Punch Monkey, I, I know you've done lots of these, and I've never done one, but can I give you my opinion? Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Don't be impressed with you. You're going to hear it a little more later on. Okay? Listen to, listen to 1 Corinthians 15.10. Listen to this. I, like, I really like this, by the way. 
by the grace of God, this is Paul speaking, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Don't you like that? Oh, come on. By the grace of God, I am what I am. What that means is this. If every day you get up and crawl into the cab of a garbage truck and you go, you know, that's not much great, but you know what? I really think I'm where God wants me to be. Right on, dude. But it also means this. That if you put on a suit and tie every week and go to a very, very prominent and prosperous job, okay, by the grace of God, you are what you are. So if God led you down a path of incredible success in one way, praise God. If God's taking you down a different path where it's more difficult, praise God. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Paul gave up all the prosperity that he had, all the promise that he had, ended up dying in a Roman prison. But by the grace of God, he said, I am what I am. He goes on and says, um, um, and his grace toward me was not in vain. In other words, I didn't waste, I wasn't a grace waster. I believe that God put me here and, and I tried to do what he told me to do. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Not a prideful statement, just a truthful statement. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was in me. How about that? So don't lean to your own wisdom. Understand that you are what you are, either abundance in your eyes or lean in your eyes. Just remember this. You are what you are by the grace of God. I really like this one. Romans 12, 3 says, Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. <laughs> Don't think you are better than you really are. <laughs> Whew. We preachers need that one frequently. <laughs> Don't think you are better than you think you are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Measuring yourselves, How? By the faith God has given us. Can't just read that again for fun. Don't think you are better than you really are. Wives, if you're poking your husband right now, that's not appropriate behavior. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Not by the stuff, not by talents, not even by ability. I was, I was down here yesterday watching Hope play volleyball. And it's been fun to watch them grow um, over the season, the eight games, six games actually, because we had a couple of cancellations, but over the six games, how they grew in their talents and abilities. Okay? So I'm watching, and I keep hearing a voice. It's this one voice. This particular young lady had a voice that really just stood out. And so I zeroed in and found out it's this young lady about this tall, about that tall, okay? And I started watching her. I mean, she was passionate. I mean, she was, it was a good passion too. I mean, she was going, good shot. Hey, you'll do better next time. I mean, she's just like full of encouragement. And everything, everything she did, man, she dove for the ball. She ran across the court where it was appropriate. I'm going, wow. Wow. You know what's funny? She wasn't that good. I mean, she really wasn't. When she served, she missed. When she dove for the ball, she missed it too. But I leaned over my wife. Do you remember? I leaned over my wife and said, I'm intrigued by this young lady. She's really not that good. But I think and wonder if her passion will carry her anyway. I think it will. Sometimes 
You know, you can, you can have a, a natural ability in something, but if you don't have passion, you won't go far. And sometimes, when you have passion, it will carry you. Measure yourself by the faith of God has given you. It doesn't matter your natural abilities. Have the passionate faith that young woman yesterday had in volleyball. It was riveting. I couldn't keep my eyes off of her because she was so passionate. She encouraged the other players. I found myself wanting her on my team. Not because she could hit ball, but because she was passionate. Measure yourself by the passionate faith that you have. Then he goes on. Now, we're going to go back to the last part of verse 7. You know, the first part said, you know, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. But here's what he says. Now, instead, fear, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Wow. Fear God, run to God, and turn away from evil. That's a good recipe for, for the gooey. Put God first, fear God, worship God, and learn to run away from evil. And then he goes on to verse number 8, finally, and says, Then, then, then we have, this is where we have gooey explosion. The, the recipes repeat. Uh, it's, it's finished. It's done. Okay? Here's, we're done. Then, you'll have healing for your body and strength for your bones. When you do this, when you trust, when you have faith, when you have passion... Those things come together and make a gooey that when combined with the fruit of the Spirit becomes something that's incredible in the life of the believer. I thought about Chris Evans when I found this verse in Malachi 4.2. Malachi 4.2. Remember, this is right before God cuts off for 400 years. Here's what he says. But for you who fear my name, for you who worship my name... For you who trust me, for you who put me first, for you who are willing to to walk the path that I call you to, for you who are willing to make the gooey, for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in His wings. That healing is not the abundant life. Remember? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. That healing in his wings is the abundant life. And you will go free. Leaping is what made me think of Chris. Leaping with joy like calves let out in a pasture. That's ambrosia. That's when it all comes together. That's when the fruit of the Holy Spirit is thriving in your lives. You are walking the journey of faith. And life becomes abundant. You stop just surviving and you start thriving. You stop just surviving spiritually and you start thriving. How about that? How about that? Okay, I'm looking at the clock. Let's end up, let's skip one scripture and let's go to the end scripture because this is very important. This is where it kind of ties in with our sermon series right on the money. Because when you've got the fruit of the Spirit and you've got this gooey of faith and trust and seeking God and they all come together, you can probably imagine what happens. All of a sudden, the things we wrestle with become much easier. Even our giving. Even our giving. All of a sudden, what we struggle to do 
We don't struggle anymore. And this is how the author of Proverbs put it. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of your produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wines. Bring honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of your produce. You remember, do you remember with the three guys who traveled forever to get the baby Jesus? And they laid down the, the gold, the frankincense, and myrrh? That's kind of the picture. They, they honored God with part of their wealth. It was, it was like a two-year journey. But they honored God with their wealth. And some would say even the first fruits. You know, it's a great story. I want to end with a story and then end with a story. You know, Luke 21 is one of the greatest stories about honoring God with your wealth in the whole Bible. You know, Jesus was hard to amaze. And it's funny is, it was the strangest things that amazed him. You know, one time there's this Gentile guy, a centurion, who had great faith. And, mo- and Jesus was just amazed. He was just amazed. Well, this is one of the times that Jesus is amazed. Let me read it to you. Luke 21, 1 to 4. While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. So it would be kind of like an offering except where you went by and dropped your gift and they had trumpet-shaped receptacles. Now, I've heard it said, and I've, I've, I've read it in commentaries, that very often the richer people, to make their offering sound bigger, would make sure it was in coin form. They wouldn't bag it. They would dump it. Okay? And so Jesus watched as the richer people, the people with more money, brought in and they would dump all this money. They wouldn't bag it up. They would dump it in. Chang, 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 Just changing everywhere. All right? Just changing everywhere. Okay? Then, then, verse 2. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. Chink. Chang, 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 chink, chink. Verse 3. I tell you the truth, Jesus said. Another translation says, he called his guys over and said, guys, guys. I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. What? Chink, chink. Versus chink, 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 chink. What? This poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. For they have given a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. Ambrosia. Here's this lady, you know, fruit of the Spirit, trusting God. Trusting God. Two widow mice, two small coins, I think like a tenth of a penny. Chink, chink. And it causes Jesus to stop. Wow. You know why? It was faith. I mean, as you read what it says, she has given everything she had. He was not speaking metaphorically. That meant that she didn't know where the bread was going to come from tomorrow. When she went down to Walmart to get her loaf of bread... I'm not sure she knew. No, no, she did not know how she's going to pay for it. Well, what is that all about, Dwayne? It's ambrosia. It's all the fruit coming together with the gooey of faith and trust in God. 
And man, when it does, it is sweet and it's precious. Last Sunday at the dinner, I was sitting there and a lady walked up to me. And she shared a little bit of a story. Now, this lady would be the first to tell you she's not the poor widow. She is a widow. And I would say it's probably safe to assume she's not rolling in dough. But what she told me, you needed to hear. And I didn't want to tell the story. I wanted you to hear it from her. So I'd like to invite Wilma, if you'll come on up to the stage. This is Wilma Reed, one of our senior adult ladies. And what she said, you need to hear because it's so beautifully portrayed the attitude and actions of our story today. Get that right next to your mouth. Well, I am not a poor widow. I am a widow. Larry and I always tithe because we believed in it. We, uh, we were able to, the way our paydays fell, we had a check coming in every week. So every week I could write our tithe and give it to the church, to the budget of our church. That all changed when Larry and I retired. We didn't get four checks anymore. We got one check a month. And that takes, a, you know, some adjusting to get used to. The first Sunday, I sat down and I wrote our entire tithe in that first check and took it to the storehouse. We gave it to the budget. Later on in the month, I could write a smaller check, and then we could give our offering to Lottie Moon, to World Hunger, whatever we wanted to give. And we, we adjusted to it. Well, when Larry died, there was a, another big adjustment to make. I no longer had all of Larry's retirement check. I got a portion of it. Larry was really the breadwinner. He had the big check because he had a master's degree. He taught 35 years. And his was the Mine wasn't, but it, it was good. But I had a check. But my income was considerably lessened when Larry died. But you know what? Light bill didn't change. Real estate taxes didn't change. There are a number of things that do not change when we are left as widows. And as I thought about it, Sunday was coming. I can't give as much. We've never had to give this. I just can't. I can't give this much. Oh, yes, I was. I was going to give this much because I was going to give a tenth of what I was going to give. And that's all God asks. But I want to tell you something else. That broke my heart because we had never had to give less. And I thought about it and prayed about it, and it, it, it bothered me. I sat down to write my tithe, my check for my tithe alone without Larry. Before I wrote that check, I said, God, I think we can do this. I believe we can do this, God. I think he might have said, go for it. I'm not sure. Anyway, I wrote a check for the same amount of money, not $1 less, that Larry and I had been giving all those years. And you know what? 
God did it. He did it. He stretched the rest of that money where I didn't even have a hard time that month. It just became a pattern. You know what? I don't even think about it now. We just, I have our money that we always had. I can say I give more than a tenth because God blesses me. He really blesses us when we tithe. And I am so happy that he laid that on my heart to do it that way because it has been such such a blessing to know. And then I can still give my offering later on in the month is, is what I do. One thing I know is you just can't outgive God. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, what do you think about that? I, you had to hear that story. You had to hear that story. And she also added, and she didn't add this part, but she told me, you know, Social Security goes up a little bit. But she said, Dwayne, every year I've increased my tithe to God. Now, that's a statement. How does that happen? That happens by faith. It happens by spiritual ambrosia. It happens by God taking the fruit of faithfulness of his life, all the love, joy, peace, all that, and by saying, God, I'm going to trust you. Sometimes it doesn't even make sense. I'm not going to lean to my own understanding. That was what she said. I'm just going to trust you. And you know what? God is faithful. You can't outgive God. We are people who live by faith and people who give by faith. Would you bow your heads? Let's pray. I want to thank you very much for what just happened. I want to thank you for the privilege of sharing this scripture today. Thank you. You more than made a path. I want to thank you, God, for that. Father, I want to pray, Lord, that as we live, I want there's someone here today who's never made that initial decision by faith to receive Jesus Christ, that today would be that day. We are saved by faith in you, Jesus. And I pray that you've spoken to someone on the radio or someone here. And, Father, that today they would come and say, I want this Jesus that I've heard about today. Thank you for that. But, Father, you also said that only do we have to believe you exist by faith, that we also live by faith, and that you are a rewarder. And we know that's not prosperity. That's not we give tit for tat. Not that at all. It's just simply this, that the life of obedience is a life that you reward. And sometimes that reward is here, and sometimes it is not. It might well be in heaven hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. But personally, we have seen, many of us have seen, over and over again, how you honor faithfulness and obedience. So, Lord, Holy Spirit, please speak to the hearts of people today. Lord, help us to enjoy the fruit of the Spirit, our faith and trust in you, as ambrosia comes alive in our life. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen. Amen.